Well, we join with America today, remembering the life of Dr. Martin Luther King. You know, when you see celebrations, you hear references in the media this week, one thing that will often be missing is that he was a Christian minister. He was a reverend. He was someone that was a servant of the Lord. Not perfect any more than you or I are perfect, but yet he was a man that represented God to America regarding civil rights in America. And I particularly like the scriptures that were shared, and there's one in particular that stands out to me that his work brought into focus. It's from the book of Galatians. Paul the Apostle wrote this, and notice what he said. He said, and he's speaking of the Christian, of the body of Christ as a whole. He said, in this body of Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek. That's a way of saying, in Christ, there's neither Hispanic, Asian, African-American, Caucasian, there's neither slave nor free. That's the economic disparity in our nation. There's neither male nor female. That's boys, girls, men, women. But there is a oneness in Christ Jesus. One of the sad things that I observe in our world today, it seems like race or racism is used to continually divide people. And it seems like it's a problem that many people don't want to solve. But I believe the basis of people loving one another, irrespective of their differences, is found in Christ. And you and I hold the greatest opportunity to be able to influence a city and a nation by loving people who are different from us, particularly Christians that are different from us, whether it's the color of our skin, socially, whatever it may be, recognizing that there is one Savior. Come on, His name is Jesus Christ. There was one death on a cross for the salvation of the world, and his blood covers us all. Come on, give Jesus a big hand today for the unity that we find in Christ as we remember Dr. Martin Luther King. I want to take just a minute before I get into my message uh, and give you a little update about our Gander Mountain relocation. I'll show you a little picture here. Uh, we had a work day on Tuesday night, and uh, I, I was a little, a little late, and I, when I got there, 15, 20 minutes late, there was this cloud of smoke. Our, our job that day was just to get the, the dirt off the floor. You know, they'd been cutting concrete and putting dirt, you know, dirt in and, and, and around the post. Anyway, and I was surprised. There was at least 40 people. Could have been 40, 50 people that were there doing brooms. It took us about two good hours. But we are uh, rejoicing because at the first of the year, I told you, our contractor said in seven to nine months we're going to be in that building. Well, now it's more like six to eight months. I mean, it's just getting, it's just getting closer as we go. Somebody uh, kind of disparagingly, disparagingly asked me on Facebook this week, well, why are you doing this? And I thought, well, the answer is very simple. We're, we're out of room. Now, you got a couple seats here, a couple seats there, but it's crowded to get the kids, and at some point, you know, it's limiting in, a, in our world today, just like you don't go to a full restaurant that's too full. But here's what a larger building, that building will double our space, and more room is more people. More people is more ministry. That's the service of Christ, and more ministry is a greater impact on people locally and around the world. Last night, we had the privilege of laying hands on a, a church member that had come, been coming several years and sent them out to be a youth pastor in Maud. Uh, how many know more people is more youth pastors? Uh, last night, we had a missionary that was invited, uh, uh, actually a church member, that was invited to go and support a Bible school for about a month in India, a place that's becoming increasingly hostile to the Christian faith. Well, guess what? More people is the, more people being sent out to the world to fulfill the Great Commission. And this is what it's all about. And I just want to simply say thank you to you that are supporting. You follow the numbers every week. We could not do this without you. But I want you to see this relocation as an opportunity, as an investment to reach more people around the world people that are coming to Christ. This little Bible globe fills up with money. Every time we get $1,000, we send it to buy Bibles and uh, the, the underground church, uh, the little hope can there. We feed kids in Haiti. I mean, we do these things because it impacts the world. It's not just a building. It's not just bricks and sticks, but it's the power of influence for generations to come. Only God knows how many tens or hundreds of thousands of people have been impacted in the 35 years that this church has been here in this location. So I want to say thank you that are giving towards this. And if you have not been giving, I want to ask you to join me. I give every week, 
and my, uh, my wife and I once a quarter, we try to give extra. Between now and the time we get in this building, if this is your home church, if you could please give the best you can, uh, and that way we'll have to borrow less money and keep the ministries going. But I just want to say thank you and let you know that it's coming, and to God be all the glory. Come on, give him another good hand today. Okay, turn your Bibles with me. Genesis chapter 2. I have been doing a series this new year called 2020 Vision. And we've been using this little gadget uh, called a phoropter. It's what the optometrist uh, puts on your eyes. And uh, she'll say, what's better, number one or number two? Okay, uh, number two or number one, clearer or fuzzier? And she goes through this little uh, journey with you, adjusting lenses so you can see clearly or see 2020. I want to suggest to you there's a spiritual parallel. That the way to see clearly in life is through the lens of the Bible. The Bible is not just an ancient history book, though it does contain verifiable history. The Bible is not just a story book, though it contains stories of people's lives. This is God's Word. And as I adjust myself to the, see life the way God sees it, it's like I'm adjusting these lenses on this phoropter to see clearly. If I see how to treat my family through the lens of the Bible, I'll be a better husband, I'll be a better dad. If I see clearly through the lens of the Bible how to look and care for the poor, I'll do what God would ask me to do. So this is what I've tried to do in the first part of the year because I believe there are four main areas that if we get in order, the four most important areas of our life, uh, we're going to see life clearly and we'll have not only a better 2020, but we'll have a better future as we go into it. And I'm using these four legs of a chair kind of as an illustration I mean, when you sat down in your chair, you weren't worried if it was going to fall because there were four balanced legs and each one of them were in the proper place in the proper order. Well, imagine if there was just one leg on this chair. It would be pretty hard. You know, you'd have to really kind of hold yourself just right to not fall over. And if it was just two, you'd be okay as long as you were like that. But if there were three, you'd be doing really good until you leaned to where that one missing leg was. And if it was out of order or not there, it would fall apart. Well, there's been four weeks in the series. The first leg was about 20-20 vision for our relationship with God. Clearly nothing more important. Last week, we talked about 20-20 vision for our relationship with our family. Uh, the most important people group that we know, it's the people we spent Thanksgiving meal with. This group of people can either be happy and joyful or it can be filled with strife and heartache. Remember we talked last week about how to have a happy family. Is if we would build our family on spiritual principles, on the person of Jesus Christ in the Bible. We talked about resolving conflict from the prodigal son. You remember that? That if we would make confession when we're wrong, if we would repent, if we would forgive, then our family would be in order. Well, the third leg that I'm going to talk about today has to do with the area that you and I spend most of our waking hours doing. Outside of sleep, we spend more time doing work at our job, whatever it may be, than anything else that we do. And this is what I'm going to talk about today because the Bible has a lot to say about it. And next week, we'll finish up with the fourth leg, which is the local church. Um, Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 uh, it's, it's after God had created Adam. It said, the Lord God put the man, Adam, in the Garden of Eden to care for it and to work it. Yeah, when I do my hand like that, I want you to say the next word. So Adam had a job in the Garden of Eden. God created it, but he had something to do, something meaningful with his life. If we looked at chapter 3, after the fall of man, after they disobeyed God, work got a little more difficult. God said to Adam, you ate fruit from the tree which I commanded you not to eat. I'm going to put a curse on the ground. You will sweat and work hard for your food. In other words, he's talking about making a living. He's talking about providing for yourself. And because sin came into the world, it's going to be a little bit harder. It's going to be a little more challenging. How many know in Cooper Tower in August, it gets hot? I mean, no, if you're a welder and you're welding in the summer and the, all the apparatus that you wear, it's tough. I mean, no, if you're a long-haul truck driver driving, you know, seven hours a day trying to make whatever you make a mile, it's difficult. There's just something difficult about work. But what I want you to see with these two verses is being productive and having something meaningful to do with our lives is not punishment. Work is not punishment. Work has benefits to it. 
on both a practical and spiritual level. And, and this is what I want to talk about. Uh, the definition of work, I'm going to use work and job uh, interchangeably. But work by definition is simply any activity in which we exert strength or mental effort to perform a task. It could be school. If you're young and you're studying and the tests are hard, that's work to you. Uh, if you have the privilege to be able to be a stay-at-home mom, how many know that is work? Caring for the home, caring for children, that is work. If you're working in a hospital, uh, it's our occupation, our profession. It's how we earn money to meet our needs. But there's another dynamic of this word work that I'm going to show you. Work means serving God. There's an aspect of work that we don't do for money, but in this aspect of work, we do it as a service to God. And I'm going to show you that today as well. There's four things I want to teach you from the Bible today. Number one, we'll talk about the practical aspects of work. We'll talk about the spiritual aspects of work. I bet you'll be surprised. And thirdly, we'll talk about principles, and this is my favorite part, what the Bible teaches about how to be successful in my workplace. And lastly, we'll talk about the rhythm of work and rest. So let's begin as we talk about 2020 vision for our job. And we're going to start with two of the very practical principles of work. Proverbs 16, verse 26, and I make this statement, work is God's plan for us to provide for ourselves. It's the way we get food on our table. It's the way we find a home or a house or where we would live. Uh, it's, the, it's what we do to get a vehicle to be able to, to, to go around, to enjoy life. Work is what we do so we can take a vacation. Um, Proverbs 16, 26 says this, it says, the worker's hunger helps them because their desire to eat makes them work. And I suggest to you it's more than just food. Your desire to replace your older car makes you work. Your desire to buy the cheerleading if your daughter's all excited and said, Daddy, 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 I made the cheerleading squad. And then she brings the bad news, and it's $800 uh, for her to be a cheerleader. How many have cheerleaders in your home? It's a great joy, isn't it? But it's a price. Well, where does dad get the money? He sends mom to rob the Easy Mart. <laughs> no. There is a better way. Rather than robbing the Easy Mart, God's ordained it that we would work. Uh, the New Testament says this as well. 2 Thessalonians 3, Paul said, don't you remember the rule or command that when we live with you, he said, if you don't work, you say, oh, pastor, you mean? I don't think so. It's God's plan that we would be responsible, dependent on Him. How many know the Bible says in the Lord's Prayer that we're to pray every day that God would give us? And then we pray that prayer, and then we go to work. It's like God's part in our part. To pray that prayer is not just to pray, give me my daily bread, and then go to the barbecue grill and expect the ribs to be ready. I mean, it doesn't work that way. We, we have our part to play. You see, God wants able-bodied people to take care of themselves. And let me say this up front, I am grateful that I live in a nation that when people that are not able-bodied, people that are disabled, the elderly, that we have a social security network, that we have a system in place to help those that are not able-bodied. But those that can work should work. And let me say this, and if you would grab this, uh, our, our commitment to work in a free country opens the doors to unlimited possibilities. You see, we live in a, there's a, it's popular today, particularly in colleges and among the youth, uh, it, that socialism seems trendy. Now, I'm going to educate you more about this as we go, particularly towards the elections, because uh, it's a lot of lies that are circulating in the world. Uh, socialism implies that there's a big government, a kind government that will take care of all of our needs. The only problem, though, is it's the people at the top that are well cared for, and all the rest of us are poor and struggling. I, uh, I had a friend that was a missionary in Russia, and he talked about, uh, he went through the countryside, and he saw this farming area and this field, and this guy, early in the morning, was just sitting on his tractor with his feet up. He came back several hours later, and he still had his feet up, hadn't, played, hadn't plowed a row, and he went, he asked the guy, he said, what are you doing? He said, my tractor doesn't have any gas. Now, mind you, the gas was literally 100, 150 yards away in the tank, but he said, it's somebody else's job to put gas in the tractor. <laughs> so I'm not going to do my job until they do theirs. This is what central planning governments, this is what they produce. They take away the incentive to work. 
And if you have the incentive in a free society and the potential, listen now, to pay the price. If you will pay the price in your education, if you will pay the price in your pursuit of somebody that's in your field, that's really good, if you will work harder than the next guy, you have the opportunity to soar and all your dreams become reality. This is America. And sadly, many politicians are running on a platform of government providing more and more for able-bodied people. Can I tell you, it is an unbiblical idea, and it fosters laziness. So with that said, work is God's means that we take care of ourselves, but it's not just for money. There is an emotional or an esteem benefit the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that in our work, we find self-fulfillment. You say, well, where is that, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, uh, Solomon said, I decided that there's nothing better than to enjoy food and drink. How many like to eat good food? Come on, both hands, both feet. I, I went to Sam's the other day, and I love smoked salmon. And uh, I tried this little packet they got, and I got home, and I had to taste a little bite. And I took a bite, and it was so good. And I thought, I'm going to have to hide this from my wife. Not true, I'm fibbing. Uh, she didn't like salmon, and I'm real glad for that. But, but, but there's, just so, there's just something about you just enjoy a really great meal. But listen to what he says. There's nothing better to enjoy food and drink and to find satisfaction in work or to enjoy your work. He said, then I realized that these pleasures are from the hand of God. So what he's saying is work can become, can be a pleasurable experience. Now that doesn't discount the sweating. It doesn't discount that parts of it are hard, that parts of it are not fun. But work can provide something intrinsically in your heart. For example, when I was a boy, I very fortunate, and I didn't think so at the time, but I was raised on a farm and my dad made me work. He gave me a work ethic. Do you know when uh, the success of America, the Industrial Revolution, when America became a world superpower, the fuel for the Industrial Revolution was the Protestant work ethic. It's what I'm teaching you today about work, and men and women worked, and factories and companies were born in America like nowhere else. It was the Bible that, gave, that, uh, that, that birthed that. But I can remember even as a boy, <coughs> I didn't like getting up, but Dad made me get up, and I would drive a tractor, and I would plow fields, and uh, just slow as it could be back in those days is the equipment we had, four rows. But I, 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 back then, when I finished a field, I would always stop just a minute and look and see what I had done. And it made me feel good. Uh, if, you, if, you, if you work in an office and you design a spreadsheet that makes productivity easier and money management easier, you can step back at that and people be patting you on the shoulder and thanking you and telling you that you're, it just makes you feel good. And let me know that's a good thing. If you're an attorney and you win a case, it, it, you feel gratified, you're satisfied in your life. Or how about if you're younger and your mom says, clean your room, and the first thing you say is, it's not dirty. But uh, you know there's a difference between a clean room and a dirty room. And if you'll just look at it afterwards and see when things are in order and the bed is made, it just makes you feel good. Can I tell you, friends, this is a gift from God. And work is not just what I do nine to five. Work is what I produce with my life, and it's good from the Lord. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. Now, let me talk with you about the spiritual purposes of work. Uh, and I want to tie in this for, for you to see that, that there's a connection between working for God and what we do. Let me read uh, John 17, 4. It, it, Jesus said these words. Jesus said to his father, he said, I glorified you on earth. In other words, I made you happy. I brought you honor. Having accomplished the, the work that you gave me to do. Now, this is the same word that's used for your nine to five job. But now it's being applied to what we're doing for the Lord. And we literally are called to work for the Lord. How many know Jesus in his early days, he was a carpenter. He put food on the table through carpentry, but he also evolved into the Savior of, not evolved into the Savior, he was always the Savior, but he evolved into his ministry, and he continued to work, but this work was not just to make money, this work was to serve God. Now, what you think about this, because in the same way, all of us are expected to work for God. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, again, by definition, work is doing a task. Work is doing something that draw us, uh, that help us produce something. 
uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Scripture says, can you say the first word with me? Always. Say it again. Always, always means all the time, uh, give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Not half-heartedly, but there's a sense that my whole life, not just going to church on Sunday, but is to be geared towards doing things that are working for the Lord, that are furthering His kingdom. Why? Because you know that your work in the Lord is never wasted. There are, there are people today that are allowing you and I to be here that are working for the Lord. Uh, the brother that's doing the, the video uh, today, uh, he's working. He's not being paid to do that. The people that sang on the stage, those that played instruments, those that, uh, those that are teaching your children, uh, the, the man that drove the golf cart up, these guys are not working for money. Uh, they're doing it because they love the Lord and they're working for the Lord. Um, last night we had the privilege to uh, lay hands on a, uh, a church member. Uh, he was asked to become a youth pastor in Maud. He wanted his church to send him out, not just go himself. And we sent him out. It's like I said earlier, we have a missionary going to India. All of these people are serving the Lord. And I want you to see this is connected to, this is connected to work. Now let me keep going in, in something similar because there's an overlap many times between what you do in your 9 to 5 job and what you do for the Lord. Uh, Exodus 31.5, it's because God gives us talents and abilities for a kingdom purpose. Notice Exodus 31, I have filled, God. this is now God speaking to Moses about before the temple is built in the wilderness. He said, I filled a man named Bezalel with the Spirit of God. I have given him, God says, I have given him skill, ability, and knowledge to do all kinds of work. So God gave him an ability and he's able to design pieces made from gold. He cuts jewels. He carves wood, and he does all kinds of work. And here's what I want you to see. Our God-given abilities, our expertise can have a dual purpose. We may be making money with that, but we can also use it to serve the Lord. Just in our Gander property, we have a number of contractors, uh, architect and attorney. They have all lended their skills, not just to build a bank or build a shopping center, but to build the house of the Lord. Uh, my wife's mom uh, she was here with us over Thanksgiving and having stomach problems, so we took her to a doctor uh, that Linnell knew, and uh, uh, the doctor began to explore because in, her doctor in California said, well, she's just got gastritis. Well, because this doctor cared about not just making money, and have me know we need to make money, but she wanted to continue to pursue it further and found out that there was a mass that was growing on her colon through a CT scan, and then lo and behold, she gets the surgery. Well, the doctor... After the insurance and all that's done, and she, she keeps calling Linnell, and she's checking on mom and helping in the process, and she's probably directly responsible for extending her life. So she took a skill. She did something she didn't have to do, and she used it to help people, particularly in furthering the kingdom of God. So I want you to see yourself not just as a, as a product of your school knowledge, but someone that's been given by God. Uh, abilities to, to serve the Lord. Now, let me give you a, a, a second spiritual uh, aspect of why we work. Our job is our mission field. And what I mean by that is this. We get to know people at work and we can influence them for Christ. Uh, listen to what Colossians 3 says. In all the work you're doing, work the best you can. And this is interesting. Work as if you were doing it for the Lord and not people. Now, can you imagine if you showed up at your work and started serving like Jesus was your boss, what an excellent job you would do? Here's what would happen. The people in your workplace would know something's different about you, and you would have a platform to speak to them about Christ. This happened to me many years ago. I was in the Navy, and I was in Adak, Alaska, and in their great wisdom, they decided I would best be used by working in the kitchen for six months. So uh, my job was to make lunches. We had airplanes that we would fly around looking for uh, uh, Russian subs at the time. And it was my job to make about 600 box lunches every day. And normally it would take the guys eight or nine hours to do it. And sometimes they'd have to have two people. And, you know, you'd have like whatever it was, three carrots and two pieces of celery and a little piece of cake and two sandwiches and, and all that went in it and the condiments and things. Well, you know what? I was a Christian. I was on fire for God. And uh, I would do those uh, same lunches. The first time I did it, it took me about three or four hours. 
And my boss came in thinking that I had done, you know, had to short the pickles or had to, you know, something would have to be wrong. You couldn't do it that quickly. Well, he couldn't find anything wrong. Before you know it, I'd done it a week that long because there used to be they'd let you off work as soon as you finished. But he couldn't let me off work because I was done at 12. He had to find something else to do. But here's my point in saying all that. One day, he's, we're pushing this big carton container, this rolling container of milk. You know, it's big, big, you know, I don't know what, maybe 10, 15 gallons of carton. And it hits a, a rough place in the floor. It won't move. And he starts cursing, asking God to damn the milk. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> and uh, I said, I said, Sparky, what would we do if we had 300 gallons of damn milk? If God made the milk sour and it was no good, what would we do? And, of course, some of them laughed and he looked at me. Well, a few days later, I got to lead him to Jesus. And I think what caused me to lead him to Jesus is he saw excellence in the way I worked. Are you with me today? And then my willingness to talk to him. Because I didn't talk to him in church. I led him to, I led him to Christ on the job. And your job is your mission field. You spend most of your time there. Let me give you one more. You may have never heard of this. But part of the reason we work is to help other people. Ephesians 4.28. Those who are stealing must stop stealing. Punch your neighbor and say, don't steal anymore. Stop stealing, but start working. And notice this. It says, earn an honest living for yourself, and then you'll have something to huh, share with those that are poor. Now, this is new to, I mean, to, to many. It was certainly new to me at one time because I thought when I got my check, it was mine. But the reason that check, God put it in my hands, may be for something bigger than me. It could be a five, it could be a ten, it could be a hundred, whatever the case it is. But it just may be that one spiritual application of work, that when God blesses us, I mean, no, you'll never run out of more things, bigger, better, and more that appeal to your eye. But it may be a kingdom purpose that I can help somebody and make a difference in their life for Christ. Come on, give the Lord a good, a good hand today. Now, this next part is, I think, my favorite part. It's biblical principles for success on the job, how I can be upwardly mobile and making more money. Now, the first two, I want to particularly speak to younger people that are here. And the first one is this. If you can find the work God created you to do, you'll be happy when you go to your job. Let me say it again. If you can find something to do that, that, that fits in alignment with what God created you to do. Now, here's where I get this. Exodus 31, we read this earlier, when God said, I filled Bezalel with the Spirit of God. And God says, I have given him skill, ability, and knowledge to do all kinds of work. Now, listen, I, I, I have friends of mine. Uh, well, I, I mentioned this last night. If you like the woodwork, the, when you drive through our church and that, that wooded area there and just kind of had it all came together, a whole kid zone. It was designed by a member of our church, Rick Bishop. And, and, and Rick uh, just had this ability, and he was so good at it to design and do things with woodworking, I asked him to remodel my house. Well, listen, I can saw a board and get it fairly square, but I cannot do. I just don't have that. We have different skills and different abilities. Looking at three different ladies in our church that work here. Uh, Barb is our bookkeeper. I mean, if you're going to be a bookkeeper, details are pretty important. But you know what? Every time I pay bills with Barb, the checkbook is always reconciled. Uh, I, 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 I couldn't believe that they were mailing out our tithing uh, re receipts, you know, the thank yous for giving before the second week of January. That's never, I mean, we never, I mean, usually it's barely the end of January. And if you have a receipt and you don't turn it in, she turns into this demonically inspired person. <laughs> And she threatens not only to withhold your next paycheck, but to take your children and grandchildren from you. No, she doesn't do that. I'm just kidding. But my point is, she's good at what she does. She's wired for that. My wife is wired to be a missionary. She loves to go to the foreign field. She has compassion in her heart for broken and needy people. She doesn't go and stay at the Hilton. She goes sometimes and sleeps on a sleeping bag on the floor. I mean, she's wired that way. Uh, Sharon Omer, uh, Sharon is creative. I don't know if Sharon has ever been on a foreign mission trip, but if you like anything around our church building, the decor, the looks of it, uh, it's because of Sharon. If you don't like it, it was because I made a bad decision. But, but she, just, she has a knack. So listen, you have a knack. 
And if you will try to find that, now you say, well, how do I find it, Pastor? Let me say this. Pray and ask God is a big thing. Pray with your children when they're young. I think aptitude tests are good. I think talking to people who know you, what your skills are good at, experimenting, you know, following people that are in professions you might like to be in. But if you can find the way God created you, you will love what you do and you will never have a dreaded nine to five job in your life. That's the key to it. Come on, give the Lord a good hand. Let me give you one more, particularly for younger people. Uh, develop your job skills first and have fun later. And all, all the young people said, praise the Lord on that one. <laughs> I think maybe there's a Bible verse that says, uh, uh, work hard in school first and buy the big screen when you get a real job. <laughs> Is that somewhere in the Bible? Maybe, maybe in the intertestamental uh, books. Uh, well, let me read a scripture. Proverbs 24, 27. What's it say? First. Everybody say first. First, finish your outside work and prepare your fields. What is that? That's the source of your income. That's how you're going to make a living. First, do that. And after that, build your house. After that, get a brand new truck with, you know, whatever it is, 20 inch, 40 inch or whatever it is, is tires and rims that spin. Don't get rims to spin when you're working at Taco Bell, okay? <laughs> Don't do that. You're going to have to work. It's just not going to work out for you. Uh, Afterward, build your house. Let me say it this way in all seriousness. Pay the price first. Learn everything you can about your calling. Invest in it. This is what the decade of your, 20, of your late teens and 20s is for. This is the purpose of school, is to give you an opportunity to become upwardly mobile. And let me tell you this, kids, and this is not original, but if you pay now, you can play later. But if you play now, you're going to have to pay later. Because one day you got to pay. And that's the real world. That's the way life is. And I know school may be a bummer, but it sure can offer opportunity. Now let's look at the third one. Uh, this applies to all of us, any age. Uh, become an expert. Become an expert and excel at what you do best. Hey, you know what? I realized I forgot something. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back one step here. When I was talking about uh, the reason that we work and uh, uh, our job is our mission field, we serve the Lord, what happens at 65? There's a misnomer in America that you just quit working when you're 65. Now, if you have enough Social Security and you've saved enough, praise the Lord, you can do whatever you want to do. You may be able to adjust your 9 to 5 job, but listen to this about retirement. Instead of retire, realign. Don't quit working and play all the time. If you do, you'll die early and you will lose or miss God's meaningful purpose of your life. At retirement age, you have more wisdom and more experience than you've ever had in your entire life. And if you will invest that in the work of the Lord, you may not get a, you may not get a, 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 a paycheck on earth, but you're going to get a paycheck and a reward in eternity. Listen, we serve the Lord. Not just when we're viral and able and all that, but we can serve the Lord to the day of our death. If you are bedridden, you can serve the Lord in your prayers. I tell people all the time as they age, please pray for me because I know you have time and I know you'll make it a long one. Hey, that was good. I'm glad I came back to it, huh? Okay, let's go back to uh, how to prosper and how to be successful. Uh, the third one, become an expert, excel and be the best at what you do. Proverbs twenty two twenty nine says this, do you see a man skillful or competent in his or her work? He'll stand before kings. He'll not stand before ordinary people. That's a way of saying if you do work excellently, you will have people with the most money wanting to hire you, and you won't be, you'll have so much work you won't know what to do. If you are excellent at what you do. I had somebody give me a bid for something recently around my home, and I, 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 could, I didn't find him anywhere in social media. I didn't find him yellow pages or any traditional things. I asked a friend that he'd done work for that really stood out to me. I mean, it was rocking. I liked it. And uh, he said, listen, I don't advertise. He said, all my business is word of mouth, and I've got more work than I can do. You know how, why? He's an expert, and he's honest. We'll get to honesty in a minute. Being an expert at what you do. Experts in any field are always in high demand and they get above average wages. 
unless you're in an environment where it is your length of service that protects you, if you don't have that protection, it is the expert that will be the last one fired. Are you with me today? Being an expert, if you do your work with excellence, you will stand out whether you wax floors or do surgery. Now, can I contrast that just a minute with someone that wants to work just to get by? Let's say you have to be at work at 9 o'clock, and they're coming rushing in about 902, 903, 9.10, and of course it's the traffic every time. And then it takes them about 30 minutes, maybe 45, after a couple cups of coffee to, you know, till they're ready to finally get working. You're looking at me like you're guilty there. Don't do this to me. And then after they've been there about 40 minutes and they do a little work and it lunches at 12, I mean, they're already making plans about a quarter or 12 and all they're doing is watching their watch ready to get out. And they come back after lunch and if work gets over at 5, for them, it started closing down at 4.30. They start yawning at their desk a little bit, walking around, and they start just moving papers. Doesn't really mean anything, but moving papers. And as soon as that 5 o'clock hits, buddy, they're just out the door. Now listen, they hate their job. That's a problem. But if you work for the Lord... You see what you're doing and that there's a higher purpose to do it. And if you can be motivated to excel at what you do, you, they'll beat the door down to hire, have you work for them. There's something about the power of excellence. I don't care if you wax a car. I don't care if you take a test. I don't care what you do in this life. But if you do it to your best and you do it in a way that excels everybody else, I promise you, work and higher pay will chase you down. Come on, give the Lord another good hand for that. Let me give you another big one. It's about having the right character. I call it biblical character. And I'll talk about two. One is honesty and the other one is being trustworthy. Biblical character, the first about being honest or telling the truth. It's from the first verse of the book of Job. But when you think of Job, what do you think about? You think about a guy that whole life fell apart on him. It was trouble. It was problems. He He had a couple years of just little destruction in his life. But do you realize... Before that, Job was one of the wealthiest men in the world. And after his problems, he once again became one of the wealthiest men in the world. And here's the way the book of Job starts. Job was, say it again, honest. It means he told the truth. Inside and out, he was a man of his word. Now hear me on this one. Honest people can be trusted. And employers promote people with above average character and and lesser skills. This church is a a large entity. We have lots of people working around here. And I've learned over the last 30 years, if I have a choice between someone that has high character and and a medium skill and acceptable skill, I'm going to hire them before I hire somebody that has high skills and low character. It works every time. Now, let me give you a contrast to honesty. It's dishonesty. Anybody know who this guy is? He doesn't look very happy there. Uh, His name is A.J. Hinch, and let me tell you A.J.'s story. A.J. was the manager for the Houston Astros in 2017, and he got fired. And you know why he got fired? Because he was participating with a scheme of dishonesty. Here's what what the deal was. Uh, How many know in baseball, uh, uh, teams have been stealing signs ever since the game was started? If you played baseball, you remember when you were in, in Pee Wee, when the coach would do like that on his belt, B for belt, B for bunt, you'd bunt the ball. But when you got in high school, the coach just couldn't do that because they were a little smarter. The coach had to do his hat like that, and he might do this arm first, and then he might do his pants leg, might scratch his nose, and then he's do his belt. And the other team's trying to figure out what it means because when are they going to bunt and when are they going to steal? Well, that's baseball. That's good. But there are rules in Major League Baseball that say you cannot have technology to aid you in stealing signals. Well, this coach, among other people, broke the rules, and they put a camera in center field. And in that camera, they could see all the way to home plate. So the catcher's down there, and one finger is a fastball, two finger is a curve. And they had a video monitor now, think of this, in their, in their dugout. So every time the players would see that he's fixing to throw a curve, they would hit the waist can with their bat, pop, 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 and that would let the guy know. Well, look, it's great. They won some games that year, but the team got fined $5 million, and, and four people lost their jobs. And you know why? Because they were dishonest honest I thought I'd have got an amen out of that or an old me or something okay let me keep let me let me keep going here 
be trustworthy. I don't have time to speak much about that. But a trustworthy person is somebody that's dependable and worthy of confidence. And how many know it's the trustworthy people that gets the keys, the passwords, and the company credit card? If you will be dependable. And all this, you know what, friends? It comes from the Bible. It's biblical character. Now, let me give you my last point in this section is this. Be willing to work hard. And if I could contrast hard work and laziness, the Bible is filled with it. Hard-working people, those who work hard, make a profit. But if all you do is talk, you'll be poor. Lazy people won't get what they want, but those who work hard will. Let me tell you this, as simple as I can say it. If you'll work a little harder than the average person, if you'll get there a little bit earlier and leave a little bit later, if you'll do the work a little bit better, you'll be promoted quicker than anybody else in your, where you work. Let me tell you this about hard work. I was raised on a farm. Dad made me work. I didn't like it then, but I'm, I'm glad now. I tried to give my son that same work ethic. But the problem is, if you live in town, there's just not as much for kids to do as it is when you lived on a farm. But uh, uh, I made it a point one day when my, uh, uh, of course, I tried to make my son work as he was growing up. And this playground out here became uh, uh, the devil's playground for my son. Dad would make him rake uh, pine needles and put them in bags. Dad was torturing him. I'm sure if he knew the number, he'd have called Child Protective Services. I'm sure I was breaking labor laws or something, and we'd almost, I'm just glad policemen didn't come by. We almost would have fights sometimes because whatever reason, but lo and behold, he did it. He was an honorable young man, and he did finally what Dad said after Dad nearly lost his temper and almost cursed. But you understand what I'm talking about. Well, now he's 18, up a couple years. He learned to work. We had remodeled our outside of our building. It was Saturday. I wanted it to be excellent for Sunday services. And uh, I've got him out there in August. Now, August, 105 degrees outside, picking up rocks and cleaning up. He's sweating like a pig. Well, the landscaper drove up. Now, he was already enrolled at college at SAU in Magnolia. The landscaper just happened to have a company in Magnolia. Think about, not luck, but how God works. She drives up, I tell him who, she, uh, who he is, and she said, so you're going to school at SAU? She said, I'll, I'll give you a job. Sight unseen, she hired him, but she didn't hire him to pick up rocks. She hired him to work in the business office. He wanted to get a business degree. And then God blessed him. He, now, I can take credit for it for, for this far. The rest of it, he did on his own. He gets to business school. He, I, I had, he had to have a part-time job, and he made this observation. He said, Dad, my friends that don't work, they sleep in. All they do is sleep and play games, and they don't make near as good of grades as I do because I'm having to work a little bit. But he worked his way. God gave him a chance to work for a CPA while he was there. He got his hours. As soon as he graduated, he took his CPA exam. He passed it first time every time in the high 90s. Then he decided he wanted more education. Remember, pay now. Then he got an MBA at U of A, paid for it all on his own. And lo and behold, now he gets to play more than I do. <laughs> but there's something about working hard to get ahead in life. I'm going to close with this. My last point, the rhythm of work and rest. Uh, Exodus chapter 18 Moses' father in law sees Moses. Moses is leading this tribe of people. And he said, you're going to wear yourself out. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle by yourself. Now, here's the problem. Some people are lazy and they don't want to work. Some people work too much. The problem with the lazy person is never rest. The problem with the person that works too much is he or she doesn't get enough. It's particularly dangerous for men because, listen, guys, we get our self-esteem needs from our work. It defines who we are more than God defining who we are. And we, define, we, we, we find our identity in our work. Now, listen, I understand you've got to work hard. You've got to work harder than the other fellow to get ahead. I fully understand that. But at some point, work can hurt you physically, and it can hurt your family. And that's never God's idea. Let me tell you what Exodus 20 shows us as an example and a solution. Scripture says, in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in it, but the seventh day he... And God didn't rest because he was tired. God rested as an example to us. Notice what he says, this is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Now the Sabbath day for the Jews, Saturday, certainly was a day of worship, but the Sabbath was not just for worship. 
His Sabbath was for rest. And the same God who created, who it created, rested on the seventh day. You and I need a Sabbath day of rest. Where we disconnect from the world. Where we may be doing activities and things. Like I'll garden, I'll work in the yard my whole day off. And I'll feel better at the end of that day than I would have if I'd have watched TV all day. Because that, that's recreation to me. Some people, yard work is work, but for me it's recreation. He gave us a day to get back together. Uh, Psalm 127.2, and I close with this. It's useless to rise early and go to bed late and work your worried fingers to the bone. Don't you know that God enjoys giving rest to those he loves? I hope you take advantage of it. Give the Lord a good hand today. He's worthy of our praise. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning, and uh, let me just say, honored that you were here. We've got more room in our Saturday night service if you want to try that, or Sunday first service. But before you check out now, listen, Cracker Barrel's still going to be there, whatever you're going to do. The roast will still make it five more minutes if you're at home. But I want you to just tune in just a second. I want to ask you this question. Because the Bible tells us not just to be a hearer of the word of God, but a what? A doer. Here's my simple question. What did the Holy Spirit speak to you about today? Is there something before we check out that you need to say yes to God on? I want you to bow your head just a moment. And I just wonder if something in this message, you felt God was speaking to you about it. And I want you to just say yes. Heads are bowed just a second. Maybe you're here today and, and you'll say, Pastor, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do with my life. I want prayer today that God's going to show me. I want to find my sweet spot. I want to know what I'm supposed to do and, and the pathway to get there. I need God to help show me that. Would you just lift your hand? Yeah, that's all of the building. Just say, I need to find my sweet spot. I don't know what it is. Yeah. How about the second one? You're here today and you say, Pastor, I, I'm just not happy at work. I don't know what it is. I don't know if I'm supposed to stay or go, but it is not giving me satisfaction. And I don't know what to do. But I want God to make that clear to me because I want my life to have meaning and I want to enjoy what I'm doing. If you want the Lord to help you in that, just lift your hand. Just a minute, yeah. I'm not happy at work and I want to find satisfaction. Uh, maybe the Lord spoke to you about that balance between rest and work. Maybe your problem is not that you're lazy, but your problem is your, your work is overwhelming and it just, it's everywhere and you can't let it go and the cell phone makes it worse. And you know it's impacting your health and it's impacting your family and you don't know how to get out of the rat race. But you want to embrace the rhythm of rest and you need God to help you show that. Lift your hand to the Lord. Holy Spirit, you've looked around the room. You know all of our hearts. We simply, as we stand before you, want to ask you to help us. I want to ask you to help not only every young person, but everybody here that's asking for God to show them what to do with their life. The same God that created Bezalel created us. He's given us skills and abilities. And I pray, God, that you lead us all on that pathway. Help us, Lord, find a job and do a job godly character and godly attitude and do it in a way Lord that's going to bring glory to you and Lord my last prayer here is I simply want to ask you to help us all see our job as our mission field Whether our job is our school our job could be athletics and high school our job could be whatever it may be but whatever our job is people are watching us and when we bow our heads over a meal they know we're a Christian help us to build a platform because our working is not just for ourselves, but we're working for the Lord. And help us to be able to influence many people in the relationships we have on the job. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Hey, here's how we're going to close in just a second. Uh, I want to remind you, uh, if, if this has impacted you in the whole concept or idea of working for God, well, our culture calls it volunteering. And if you are looking for something that you'd like to serve the Lord and the church, don't know what it is, we've got a table set up today. It's called Dream Team. That's anybody serving anywhere, anytime in the church. We can find something, I bet you, 
that would appeal to your gifts and help you get involved. Just stop by that table today, and certainly I hope you'll stop by the table to, uh, to uh, uh, register to vote if you've not done so. Arkansas or Texas only got two weeks to do that. But I'm going to close this way. They're going to have one final song, and then we'll dismiss. But when their song starts, we're going to ask our prayer team to come to the front. They'll be here to pray for you. If you need to talk to God about anything before we go, there's people that will be here. won't be the pressure of middle of the service, maybe somebody to talk to. But the last prayer I'd like to pray is the most important. Let me know whether your job lets you be rich or poor. You can't, get to go, you can't go to heaven because you're, you're rich. You're not going to go to heaven just because you're poor. There's only one way to go to heaven, and that's because Jesus Christ has forgiven our sins. See, it's our sins that keep us out of heaven. And Jesus, the Savior, died on a cross so our sins could be forgiven. It sounds so simple. I went to church all my life, and either I never heard it or it never sunk in. But one day it started making sense to me. One day I realized in my heart something was missing. It's kind of like a God-shaped hole in my heart that I tried to fill up with athletics and girls and sports and cars and everything else. But it was just like pouring water with a bucket, uh, pouring water in a bucket with a hole in it. And I had a man tell me as I was kind of running away from my problems one day. He was a Gideon, and he gave me a Bible. He said Jesus Christ could change your life. And I read in the back of that little Bible and had verses that told me what I was feeling about myself that I was a sinner I'd done wrong. Told me hell was a real place. But then he started talking about the love of God. That God so loved the world, he gave his only son. That whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And then I, I read another scripture that said, To as many as received him, to those he gave the right or the privilege to become sons and daughters of God, to those that would believe on his name. I remember the day like it was yesterday, August 15th, 1976. I prayed a prayer like you can pray today. That I asked Jesus to forgive me. And listen, I didn't just ask him to forgive me. I said, Lord, I want to turn and follow you the rest of my life. And it changed my life. Maybe you're here today and say, Pastor, that's what I need. We would be honored to pray with you. Whether it's a first-time prayer or you've gotten away from the Lord and you want to come back. But when they start singing this song, I want to ask you to take a very bold step. Slip out of your chair and come to the cross. There's power in that walk to the cross. Because it's where you begin to follow Jesus Christ. There'll be somebody there that'll pray for you and help you in your next journey as a Christian. Zach, go ahead and begin to start our last song. Prayer team is coming to the front right now. If you can wait until they're done to go, I'd appreciate it. They're here to pray for you. Most importantly, if you want to get your life right with Christ, we'll see you at the cross. Come on, prayer team. We need you for prayer. We'll see you at the cross. I love you and thanks for coming.